0: Hi, I'm Spencer Christian. I've been a broadcast journalist and weathercaster for more than 50 years. And over those years, I've met many remarkable people. Remarkable people with remarkable insight. Now, I'll be talking with them about the issues of the day and about their personal journeys. I'll even share a few of my own. So come join me after the weather, and we'll learn together. Hello again. This is After the Weather. I'm your host, Spencer Christian, and this is a continuation of our discussion of families of color being lowballed on home appraisals. Joining us is the anchor of our midday live newscast here on ABC 7 and our race and culture reporter, Julian Glover, to take a deep dive into this subject. But before we start, I want to remind you to be sure to watch Our America Lowballed, an 18-month-long investigation into this topic, which Julian has masterfully crafted. It drops on December 2nd. If you're listening to this podcast after that date, you can see it on Hulu or anywhere that you stream ABC7 News. Julian, continuing our discussion, I just I'm just fascinated by how deeply you did dive into this and how impactful your reporting was. It actually affected. Policy making and legislation. It's just incredible. But I'm curious about what was the most surprising thing that you
1: discovered in your research and in your reporting? Well, first off, thank you so much for having me uh, here again, Spencer. Uh, I, I know only illustrious guests are allowed on the After the Weather podcast, so I'm uh, very proud to be able to say that I am one of them. You are indeed. <laughs> oh, well, you're too kind, my friend. I, I will say this Reporting has been, you know, as you say, some of the most impactful of my career. Uh, and I've been just truly honored to shine a light on this issue that truly affects so many people. And I think, Spencer, to answer your question, that might be it. That, that That's the thing that was most shocking or illuminating to me is just how insidious of an issue this is and how it affects so many people, uh, especially folks from marginalized communities, Black and Latino Hispanic folks um, in this country, and just how deeply this is connected to the racist housing practices of yesterday, uh, of redlining. You, You know, as we know, discrimination on the base of race, color, national origin, and other protected classes, obviously outlawed. Uh, with the Fair Housing Act of of 1968 and nine. Mm -hmm. But here we are today, a half a century later, and still this issue persists. Still, these redlining maps from 100 years ago are affecting the appraised home value today. And I think it's just something, Spencer, that people are unaware of. I I think you're right. I mean, I, I think people are largely unaware
0: of how serious a problem racism, and racial discrimination still are at this point in our history. Uh, And it's easy to overlook it unless you're someone who has been discriminated against and you know it's because of your skin color. Uh, You know, I think back, Julian, to the the late 1960s, okay? I I was in college, uh, Civil Rights uh, Bill of 1964 was just uh, going into law, becoming a law. The Voting Rights Act of 1965, as and i grew up in the old south in the segregated south as public schools were desegregating many white families in the south chose to start these private academies which they called christian academies <laughs> but there was nothing christian about their policies their admissions policies because they were uh, maintaining uh, all white uh, admissions policies in these private academies so the you know the the separation of the races went on um, even if they they couldn't keep the public schools uh, segregated. And so here we are, what, 60 years, almost 60 years later, after all the monumental civil rights legislation of the 1960s, and discrimination is still being
1: practiced on a wide scale. It's just mind boggling. It is. And one thing that we talk about in our reporting, Spencer, such a great point that you brought up there, is the fact that Segregation is still alive and well today, not mandated by the federal, state and local governments. Right. But some of the experts that you'll hear from in Our America Lowball is that perhaps we are more segregated today than we were in the 1960s uh, when so much of that landmark civil rights legislation uh, was being crafted. Yeah. So, you know, I think we have convinced ourselves in many ways that we are somehow this post-racial society. I think that is certainly the story that many folks told themselves with the election of former President Barack Obama in 2008. But the reality is we are far from it. And one of the issues that we also talk about in the documentary, Spencer, is just the idea that while So many of these explicitly racist policies, especially in housing, are no longer on the books. They were never corrected. There was never a course correction. Um, You know, redlining was in part an invention of the New Deal and the creation of a white middle class in this country. Mm -hmm. And there was, you know, an entire generation of folks who were able to own homes. Of course, we're speaking about white folks in this country who were able to own homes thanks to the loans that they were uh, given or insured by the federal government. 30 years later, when those explicitly racist housing practices were no more, there was never a course correction. We were the, the programs and policies that were also, uh, you know, maybe targeted to black and brown folks to give them the same leg up that white folks received. It never happened. And so, you know, that's just another shift in American history where white folks were able to get ahead and black and Latino, Hispanic, other marginalized communities were not able to get ahead and nothing's ever been done about it. That's right. Well, Julia, I'm so glad you steered the
0: conversation back to that point which we touched on earlier. And that is about the concept of being able to accumulate generational wealth. Uh that has that has been denied people of color for generation after generation. I mean, I can go back to you know, just before I was born, I was born just two years after World War II ended. My dad and his brothers fought in a segregated army to defend their home country. But when they came back home, they were denied you know, loans. Uh, they were denied uh, 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 GI benefits in many cases. And of course, they came back to a segregated society in which they were told every day that they were second class citizens. Yet they fought and died for this country. Um, so when the civil rights legislation of the 60s, which was very impactful, I'm not uh, trying to uh, Discount that as something insignificant. It was impactful, but when that legislation was passed, the larger society just assumed, okay, everything's equal now. We've, you know, we've compensated these folks for what we did to them in the past. But no, because that that denial of access to the ability to accumulate
1: generational wealth is still being practiced. That's such a great point, and one that we explore in the documentary, Spencer. Is what could that course correction look like? obviously this discussion around reparations, uh, has certainly heated up here in the state of California uh, and nationally as well. Uh, California, with the first in the nation reparations task force, which we've been covering extensively here on ABC7 News. Mm-hmm. And we should mention that our very own Paul Austin from Marin City, California, highlighted uh, in our reporting on appraisal discrimination and is a key focus in Lowbald. he actually testified before the California Reparations Task Force on why home ownership is so important. Uh, So some of the experts that we do hear from in the documentary point to, well, perhaps reparations could be the answer to that course correction that never happened.
0: Yeah. Well, Julian, I asked you about some of the things that surprised you in your reporting and in your research. Were there things that made you feel something personal, things that were disturbing, uh, were hurtful, frustrating, you know, something that really really struck you in a personal way?
1: I, I think it's just the the plight of homeownership in marginalized communities and being from D.C. It's something that I certainly think about uh, how much parts of D.C. that I grew up in where family members have owned homes, where my grandparents still own a home, have been gentrified so much. And we know that there is such a connection between gentrification, white folks moving into an area and then home values skyrocketing. And it's all tied to this idea uh, that one of our experts, Lisa Rice from the National Fair Housing Alliance, uh, so eloquently states as the association of race and risk. And it's, it's so baked into our system and has been for generations at this point. And it's just the idea that we do everything right we work as hard as we can to do the right things to, as you mentioned earlier, Spencer, create that generational wealth. And there are roadblocks left and right uh, from making that happen. Again, I, I think back to uh, my community, you know, in D.C. and in, in the block where my grandparents live, not far from the White House and Union Station in, in uh the District of Columbia for folks who are familiar, and how much that area is changed, and how there is this concerted effort to buy the block up from all of the black folks that have lived there, you know, since the '50s and '60s, yeah, uh, and sell the homes, tear them down, flip them, gentrify the neighborhood, right. and allow a new generation of folks who look very different from the folks who've lived there for right. for generations at this point move in there. And, and, where and what do those,
0: that does and where do those folks who've lived there for generations go?
1: When they are bought out, exactly. And it's the same thing that we're dealing with here in the Bay Area. You know, when yeah. we think about uh, the the dwindling uh, minority population bipoc population in San Francisco, for example, or Oakland, and how far that they have been pushed out to Pittsburgh and Antioch, Stockton, Sacramento, you know, further and further uh, from places that they were able to call home, yeah. It's just so deeply baked into the system. I mean, we can draw it to the creation uh, of infra- infrastructure from the building of BART, right? And yeah. where yeah. the tracks go above ground yeah. and, and, where and where they, they go, go underground, yeah. right? That's and the right. neighborhoods that were affected by that, yep. homes in those Black neighborhoods uh, where the tracks go uh, um, above ground, uh, like in West Oakland, for example, those homes were you know, bought up. The black folks that lived there were paid pennies on the dollar for their homes. And think about how much those homes are worth today, you right. know, a generation later and how they could have created that generational wealth had they been able to keep their homes. It's all intertwined. Julian,
0: how gratifying is it to you as a journalist? To realize that this hard work that you've done, this remarkable work that you've done, has had such far-reaching impact, it's, it's helped shape policy and legislation, It's caught the attention of the president of the United States, that's got to be pretty gratifying and make you, and, and it must make you feel like yeah,
1: you are doing something of value with your life. It certainly does. Uh, it's been the honor of a lifetime, truly, Spencer, to to have. I will say it, stumbled in. Yeah. To, you know, I, I had no clue when I first uh, turned the first story, rep- reported the first story uh, from Marin City, you know, February of 2021, that it would lead to this. Right. Uh, but it's been incredibly gratifying to see the impact that the storytelling uh, has had. Um, is having and hopefully will continue to have uh, in doing something about it. You know, it's one thing to talk about. it; It's one thing to highlight the issue. Uh, but as you mentioned, it has been incredibly gratifying to see the impact of it, to see that there are policies that are being crafted uh, as a result of this reporting. If you're a journalist, this is what you got into the business. Yeah. For. <laughs> you know, know. And to see it happen at this level right. is just mind blowing. Have have you always been a
0: storyteller? I I have this image in my my mind of little kid Julian telling stories and, uh, you know, being curious about everything, which is part of what makes a good journalist is curiosity
1: and storytelling. You're so right. I got lucky enough to go to a performing arts magnet school. If someone's listening from the D.C. area by chance, Thomas G. Pullen um, Elementary Middle School, where they had a media production program. And so we started playing with cameras, with VCR, uh, um, VHS tapes, and and Betamax tapes, and and all of these things running around. We had no clue what we were doing, but we were learning the basics of reporting and storytelling, and so I was able to have that curiosity sparked at such an early age, and it followed me through elementary and middle school to high school, obviously college, and to where I am today, Uh, but but you're so right, that curiosity, and also empathy too of seeing something wrong and wanting to do something about it is certainly something that stuck with me yeah that that's amazing um well julian we
0: we need to plug the series the uh, documentary again (laughs) we we need to plug the documentary uh tell us uh, again when it's going to be on where it can be seen what it's
1: called You got it. Our America Lobald is an 18-month investigation looking to the issue of appraisal discrimination here in the Bay Area and beyond. It streams starting on December the 2nd on Hulu, the ABC7 News 24-7 streaming apps and video on demand. uh, And we'll be doing a a number of local screenings here in the Bay Area uh, and even in D.C. as well, uh, which we're very excited about to be able to get this work in front of the Biden-Harris administration and continue the conversation about Where do we go from here uh, what do we do next right well Julian, it's been such a pleasure having you on the
0: podcast to discuss this documentary and to learn more about you uh the the, the curious storyteller <laughs> Thanks well, for joining us. <laughs> it's been
1: my honor to be on the podcast here Spencer and hopefully I have some bragging rights here. Am I able to say I'm the only guest who's been on after the weather two times yet? Yes. You can say
0: that. (laughs) (laughs) I am honored, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, sir. And thank you to all who are listening. Uh, You are listening to After the Weather with Spencer and Julian. Uh, Join us again next time. Thank you to our guest for joining us today. And thank you for listening. After the Weather is a product of ABC7. Be sure to subscribe. And if you liked our program, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. We'll talk to you next time. Take care.